At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. So corrugated stainless steel is a very versatile product, and I really, really like using it. I just, I, I like using it. Ever since I found out about what happens with copper natural gas or the copper sulfide uh, collecting and clogging up valves, I've moved away from copper for natural gas. Apparently, it doesn't happen everywhere. I've heard some stories, especially from Eric Ani from Mechanical Hub, who said they don't have issues out in Minnesota where he is with copper, but a lot of other places do right so we're gonna have this conversation surrounding corrugated stainless steel with chris battersby from Batscan. he's a gas tight rep and trainer and he knows the stuff like the back of his hand very knowledgeable good conversation we'll learn about some some bonding stuff we'll learn about the history of corrugated stainless steel we'll learn about some other things around that subject right let's get to this this is the hvac know it all podcast i'm your host gary mccready This podcast is sponsored by Master and they have a lineup of heat pumps. We're in that movement right now. The heat pump symposium in in Toronto, Ontario is next week. It's April 4th. If you're listening to this after it's already done, but they got York, they got Coleman, they got move air. Those are their heat, their heat pump products. And they also sell Fujitsu. So if you're looking at heat pumps, check out master and master.ca. This podcast is sponsored by Cintas. And again, we talk about how you have to involve your team in picking uniforms and they got to fit nice. Like I remember when I first started in the trade, everything was baggy and uncomfortable. And now uh, clothes are a little bit more fitted these days. So if you're looking for a solution, guys, include your team and look at what Cintas has to offer your team for uniform solutions for your blue collar trade. Check out Cintas.com forward slash HVAC know it all. Welcome to the HVAC Know-It-All Podcast, recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC, from storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. All right, Chris, so history lessons here. We're going to talk about some corrugated stainless steel, and I love history lessons when it comes to the industry and how we got to this point. So please, if, if you have a minute here, well, I, I mean, I know you have a minute cause you've signed on to do 30, 40 minutes with me to, to discuss, but what I'd like to do here is, um, have this conversation about the history of corrugated stainless steel quickly before we get into, um, the other aspects like installation and why and where and how and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So the, the original concept came out of Japan, uh, when they were, uh, getting very serious about uh, building for seismic activity, which of course requires different materials. You know, if you're building a high-rise building um, and you put rigid pipe in it, but the building's designed to stand up and stay but sway, uh, you're going to end up cracking brittle um, pipe, no matter how sort of solid it is. And that's kind of where the original concept came from. And then um, Gastite's parent corp at the time was a, a 
for it, and still is uh, part of a company called Typeflex. And they were in uh, flexible fluid fuel transfer for automotive, aerospace, um, aeronautics. And so it made just a ton of sense for them to, to uh, get into the CSST business. And that's kind of where Gastate got into it and uh, got very serious about it. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been using it lately. And one of the, the reasons that I started to look into corrugated stainless steel over copper was because maybe about two or three years ago, I, I actually made a little video of it because I was using, I, I think, a specific flaring tool at that point in time. And I wanted to, to show how it was kind of used in the video. And it was a copper gas line. And I was being called a hack in the, <laughs> by, the, by a couple of people, or one specifically, I should say, by a person yeah. that watched. Yeah. And I'm like, hack? Like, I don't get it. Like, why am I a hack for using copper in a gas line? And they explained, I mean, I don't remember if it was in, in a nice way or just like, you're a hack, this is why, or you know what I mean? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. But what I do remember it, it started me on this kind of mission to look into it a little bit further and the copper and, and, and some of the, the components of the natural gas can react together and create almost like this. Um, I don't remember, I think it's copper sulfide, it might be called. And it almost looks like chunks of carbon that are, if, if you bang a valve that, that came out of a copper line, you, you get the stuff that lots of people have shown it to me. I seen it just a, a week and a half ago. The yeah. gas valve for a fireplace was fully clogged with this stuff. So what, what do you think about, about that as far as um, copper being used for so many years and this kind of showing its face these days, that this copper sulfide stuff that's coming out of valves and that? Yeah, it was, it, it was something that it, it goes back to some of the deregulation in, in the gas supply end of things uh, and the chemical contents changed. And you're absolutely right. There's a lot of, uh, um, you know, that black goop that you can bang out of there. And that really kind of helped us uh, make some pretty good leaps forward fairly quickly when people started understanding that we're, you know, jamming up your valves, et cetera, and, and causing issues with your equipment. So it was definitely a benefit to CSST, uh, of course, along, you know, with the obvious, the, the labor savings, the fact that it doesn't kink, the install speed, the dropping your waste factor, all those kinds of things you know, when we brought that product into the, or brought Gastate into the Ontario market, we were actually the third manufacturer here, and we were five and a half times the cost of soft copper when we brought wow. it. So, yeah. So every guy we took it to would go, wow, that's really cool. How much is it? And can you bury it? And as soon as we told them how much it was, they just walk away from me. You know, guys already knew how to make good money using black iron and copper. And why would they? why would they spend this crazy amount of money on our product? Um, and so that's kind of how we got our leg into the market was what we did was give them product. We, we gave contractors no charge product. I'd go onto the job site with them, uh, install the product, uh, charge them nothing and, and let them do their own math and figure out, okay, if we spent this crazy amount of money on this product, would the job still have been profitable? And we called that the trial project program. And pretty much every guy, that we did it with, uh, regardless of size of project. Like I did, uh, you know, full condo projects and, you know, small custom homes and some retrofit stuff um, for a few years and learned a lot from the guys. But what's good, what's not, what we can do. Uh, anyway, point being that pretty much every guy that we did those trial projects with continued to use the product. Uh, yeah, so it was uh, a great way to go to market and a great way for me to learn a lot about what guys are really up against in the market. 
mm-hmm. in the field. Yeah. And for somebody like for myself, corrugated stainless steel is is a just is a is a, an awesome solution to what I'm currently doing right now because I have a newer business. I, I I don't I don't even own a threader because uh, when I first started my business, I'm like, yeah, I, I, if I get a threader, I wanna I wanna get a good one and I want it to be able to utilize it. I want to be able to justify the cost. And until I can justify the cost and and spend that much money on a good threader. I, I don't have one yet. I haven't done if if I have a like, let's say I get a big gas project awarded to me. Obviously, I'll go buy one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for a furnace changeout, I mean, in, in most situations, the gas line doesn't line back up perfectly with the old and the new furnace. So using a piece of gas tight is like it, it, it's it's a dream for me to use something like that instead of pulling a threader out and, and for like maybe a foot and a half of. Uh, like space in between the, the, the new, like the, the existing pipe and the, and the new furnace. Yeah. Right. It's just, it just makes it so much easier, so much quicker. And yeah, the, the materials is, is more money, but on the labor side, just pulling your threader out and setting it up and putting it away. I mean, that's going to equal the amount of uh, money that you've spent on that foot and a half piece in the connections. Right. Exactly. Uh, so it, it's, it just, it's a no brainer for me at this point. To, to use a corrugated stainless steel and I have been using your product gas tight which I which I, I, I really enjoy I, I, I think it's a, a well-built product I, I think the brass um, nuts that come with it they're beefy they're they're bulky and you can tell that they're made with quality and once that thing is sealed up and it's it's cut right it's um, the, the the connections are put on properly and it's sealed up it doesn't leak so that that is the that is the main thing right it's safe and it's effective for what it's supposed to be used for. Yeah, you've hit on two key factors. The, the, the labor saving, we used to do just rough math and, and anything where you're doing a black iron install, even relatively smaller jobs, uh, it was about a 75% labor saving, which, you know, the most uncontrollable cost, of, of, of doesn't matter whether it's a small company or a big company, any kind of mechanical company, the most uncontrollable cost they have is labor. And, uh, you know, you also start looking at things like, what's the size of vehicle I have to have? How many guys do I have to have on the job site to do this? What is my insurance liability for black iron, which shrinks in cold weather coming out of my roof rack? Uh, what, am I, what kind of damage am I doing when I'm carrying those sorts of things into the building? What is my waste factor if I'm using soft copper? So all those things start to, to really add up uh, for you. And it, it's, you know, CSST, whether it's mine or anybody else's, is it, it's not a perfect product. There are areas where it makes very good sense uh, to use black iron. They've just become less and less and less. Uh, and it, it, it's never, I don't care what you buy or sell or what you use, it, it, it just never really is about the cost. It's about the value. Uh, you know, in the end, I'm spending more money on this material but I get my job done quick, more quickly. I can do more jobs. I don't have to have a big vehicle. I don't have to have multiple guys on the site. And that, that's why you've seen um, CSST in general displace um, you know, traditional piping uh, materials out of most of the market. <laughs> we, we also rep another company that does threaders. And they've just about disappeared, um, you know, other than some industrial fire suppression. Um, yeah. Just because there are a number of ways to go about doing it that are more profitable and safer in many cases. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, 
I talked about why I use it and, and why I'll continue to use it in that application for sure. But I want to talk about some other applications. Sure. Outside, for one, let's tackle that first, and then we'll go to underground. If Let's talk about outside. Yeah. Where and when can we use corrugated stainless steel outside? Well, that, that will depend from manufacturer to manufacturer because different ones have different uh, requirements for exterior use. All right. And we, you know, we, we, we don't ever knock anybody else's product. I don't believe in that kind of thing. The, the bottom line here is I am not personally, and I, like I said, 26 years I've been developing this market in the Ontario market, CSST market. I'm not a, personally a fan of having uh, CSST outside on a wall or drooping down. There's some areas where they it works really well. It's very profitable for guys on rooftop installs. Um, not, you know, you can spend a bunch more money on a support um, and uh, maybe hangers and thing, things like that. Um, but as far as just drooping it down the side of the building, different manufacturers have different requirements. In, in the case of gas state specifically, if you're less than six feet above grade, and this, so let's talk about all CSTs, no matter who they are. If you are less than six feet above grade outside, then you should be protecting that pipe and that CSST in a non-metallic conduit. And that is to protect it from impact from puncture. Um, Gaslight has a caveat that, you know, if you're in an area where there's no potential mechanical threat or puncture threat, then you don't have to protect it. But the reality is guys in the field are going to get enforced if they're installing CSST on an exterior wall and there's any perceived potential puncture threat, uh, then they should be putting it in a sleeve. So it could be ABS, PVC, a half, uh, half pipe, anything that's just, non-metallic plastic and, and going to protect the pipe from um, impact. Have you seen um, like the, the ductless, uh, a lot of people use the the line set covers for ductless units when the piping comes down the wall. Yeah, would something yeah. like that, would something like that be feasible? All right. So the ductless craze, we, we know it's, it's here. There's a lot of people going to ductless in new construction and even in retrofit applications. And one of the tools I found that's helped me a lot, especially on left hand side connections is the mighty bracket everybody thinks like it takes forever to hang it literally takes about two seconds to hang you, you, you hang it on the existing head bracket it literally takes two seconds to hang up and then you have 12 inches of space between the head and the wall to work within and you're not trying to put rolls of duct tape or whatever in and, and trying to fight within that three or four inches of space you got there it gives you a ton of space so Guys, Rector Steel Bracket, I love the thing, and I use it pretty much on every ductless job that I'm on. The other thing I want to talk about is Emerson's thermostat program where they, they'll brand your thermostat for you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to leave a link for you guys in the podcast notes and summary here for you guys to check it out. And I believe it's got like a, a mock-up thing where you can mock it up, mock up your thermostat with your logo just to see what it's kind of going to look like. So check that out as well. And again, with the invention stuff, if you guys have inventions, tool inventions, and you want to bring it to market, but you don't know how, you don't know how to get to manufacturing, you don't have the capital funds to do all this kind of stuff, um, check out subcotradefox.com because that's what it's for. It's to partner up with techs that have invented tools to get them out to market so people can purchase them and you can make a little bit of passive income. That's what it's all about. Check it out. I imagine so. I don't know how robust they are. I don't know. I've never sort of gone to hit one. The concept here is not 
sort of protection from water, although it is definitely beneficial for the protection from UV over the long term um, yeah. jackets. Um, but I, it, the idea, the concept is to protect it from impact or, or potential puncture. Okay. So I don't know how robust that, I mean, I like that. That's pretty and professional looking. If you banged it with a hammer, you'd crack, you'd crack, you'd crack it. So, I mean, if you bang some ABS with a hammer, you might not crack. You might have to hit it pretty hard uh, to, cool. to, do, yeah. to, to do so because it's in a round shape. But that stuff, yeah, it's it's not meant for protecting it from a force. It's meant to for aesthetic reasons and for the sun and all that, the UV rays. That's good. Um, but the, the, the thing that springs to mind about that is if there's any drawback to CST in general, again, it's, it's a relatively thin-walled product uh, and therefore easy to puncture if it's can't move uh, and, and um, you know, tie down or, or, or uh, constrain. You can puncture a hole through it. So yeah, I think anytime, well, I don't think, I know, anytime you're going to conceal CSST anywhere uh, where it is within three inches of a puncture threat, um, then you would have to protect it. Now you're going to spend a whole bunch of money trying to protect the pipe um, mm-hmm. if you were hiding it behind something like that. Okay. So the ABS or half pipe or um, something along those lines would be probably at least, or poly, you know, uh, that's a nice, easy way to um, attach something to the wall and then slide your CST through it later. Those are probably better, um, better approaches as far as that goes. If you're less than six feet above grade, but let's say we're running it... Um, down the back wall below a deck, um, there's no issue from gas tank's perspective. Um, it's it's anywhere where there could be any perceived potential puncture threat or mechanical threat to the pipe. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that clears that up. What about underground? Yeah. So there are a couple of different manufacturers, a couple of competitors, um, both track pipe and ward flex have direct berry CSTs. They're the only ones that I'm aware of that still have um, a, a direct variable CSST available in the market. Um, one of them you wouldn't be able to find too readily. The other one's been around and they originated it, but there's confusion in, in the market. So when a guy sees black CSST, which is, we'll get into that conversation, but it's, yep. and it's coming in a big way, they think that they can bury it uh, because the uh, track pipe product called PS2 uh, is approved for direct barrel. It's got a big, heavy, thick, black jacket on it, um, and you can direct bury it. But it's the only one that you're likely to see in this market, in the Ontario market, that you can direct bury. Just because it's black doesn't mean you can direct bury it. So in the case of gas type, it's it seems to work out as less expensive to... Uh, um, here's Here's the caveat. Direct barrel underground poly, you know, the yellow plastic pipe that you see on construction sites, although you've probably done some. Mm-hmm. The risers, the fittings that you stab on to, to get out of the ground and transition from poly to steel, very expensive. Yeah. So the But the pipe is the least expensive gas pipe you could possibly buy. So what happens there is the further apart, the longer you run, the further apart the risers are, the more sense it makes to use direct barrel underground poly. But on shorter runs, because the risers are so expensive, um, it, it doesn't often make sense. So basically, the math seems to work out around the 40-foot mark. If you're less than 40 feet, you're probably better off to, and, and in the case of gas state, you can bury gas state and most of the other CSSTs you can bury 
in a non-metallic conduit. So again, ABS, PVC, polypipe is the, the least expensive and easiest. Uh, and that conduit has to be non-metallic, plastic. It has to be watertight. Um, and it has to be a minimum half-inch larger ID than the tubing is OD. You can go as big as you want, and you're going to want to because usually even on a short run, you're trying to make a you know fairly sharp bend. And that's why I really like the poly thing because it's you don't you're not you know solvent welding 90s in and trying to shove pipe through there. But that is so for those shorter runs, it makes a ton of sense. The other thing you can do with gastite is you can put gastite in a non-metallic conduit in or under a slab and a slab on grade. That's a huge, there's almost nothing you can do. Like for example, um, you know, high schools have a, a, a chemistry lab. They've got all their Bunsen burners. They need to get the gas in there. How are we going to do that? You, you know, some of those are fairly long runs yeah. and that's where you see that kind of use. So if we've got, you know, we're there before the slab core and we want to feed unit heaters inside the building, then we're going to put down the conduit and slide our gas tape through it at a later date. But that conduit needs to be watertight. Um, okay, that that's that's been in my head since you said that. So let's say we're underground and we 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 put a a big pla- a thirty foot plastic tube underground, ready for our our, our gas tight to run through. Yeah. When we have the two openings on either side, how are we sealing that to ensure that it's watertight? So what we talk about in our trainings because it's it it just works and it's readily available for guys. If you go into the installation guide, which everybody gets, we give them the small one or you can get them on an app, which is good. There's a long, uh, they show PVC pipe solvent welded together with a special termination fitting assembly threaded into it. Yes, that works very nicely, but it's expensive and it's cumbersome. So what we recommend to guys is um, a thing called Fernco fittings. I don't know if you do plumbing, any plumber's going to know what a Fernco fitting. Yeah, I know what. What a sure you do, fitting. yeah. And, but, you know, most commonly an HVAC guy is going to know it by the the fitting that comes off the top of your, um, uh, say, hot water heater with the gear clamps on it that attaches to your, your 636. Yeah. That's a Fernco fitting. Yeah. Um, and they're elastomeric PVC, and they have UV inhibitors in them. So you would never use rubber. Everybody thinks they're rubber. They're not rubber. Um, they're elastomeric PVC. That's a beautiful way. So they make two things. They make a... They make reducer fittings. So let's say we got a four-inch conduit and a two-inch run going through it. Then you can buy an actual fitting with the, the gear clamps on it and just put it on there and tighten them right down. You get a nice professional-looking seal. Um, commonly for the smaller diameters, we tell a guy to buy they have what they call quick caps. So it's the same style thing. It's elastomeric PVC cap with a uh, stainless gear clamp that tightens down. Guys will use it. Uh, plumbers will use it, especially for... Uh, you know, testing pipe, pressure testing pipe, et cetera. So what I do is because when you cut CST, anybody who uses it knows it is super sharp. When you've made your cut, you want to be careful so you're not hurting yourself. You just cut a piece of CSST, you turn your quick cap upside down, and you you just turn the, the CSST back and forth. It'll cut a perfect hole right through the cap, and that hole is actually smaller than your CSST. So when you when you put the quick cap onto your run, it actually tents. It gives you a nice seal. It looks professional. You tighten down with a gear clamp, and you got a really nice, removable, professional-looking seal. And that's what we recommend to our guys in training. If you are doing that, let's say we're in a, a, a manufacturing facility or a pool room where we've, we've run under the slab and we've come up 90s at the walls because we want to feed unit heaters or something like that. But there's moisture or water splashing around in that building or the potential for it. 
we now have to make sure that's watertight. But by code, we have to vent that conduit, right? We've got gas piping in it. Mm -hmm. So I, we would recommend doing the same thing with that Fernco quick cap and then just, um, you know, jaying out a piece of small diameter soft copper or aluminum, some kind of tubing, small diameter tubing, and puncture it through there. So now you've got a watertight seal, but you've also vented that uh, chase uh -huh. conduit. Cool. Okay. Yeah. You're Very not going to cool. do that a lot of that. It, it, it's going to be, Gary, shorter runs or when you need to get through a, a, under a slab and pop up in different places. Um, if it's a longer run, poly's just going to be way less expensive and easier for you. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So we have, um, we've got a lot of battles and fights when it comes to bonding of, uh, <laughs> corrugated stainless yeah. steel products. Okay. So yeah. this is in, in my area here, uh, obviously where you live as well. Uh, we're governed by the TSSSA, or I always yeah. messed that yeah. up. I was I was add three S's into that for some reason. <laughs> the TSSA, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and anytime, and they're pretty stringent about a lot of things. I find, and everybody's got codes everywhere they are. And I can only talk about the codes that I have to adhere by because I don't know anybody else's code. But everybody else might be, or in the same boat or on a similar boat. And from the, from what I've been told and the way I understand it is that obviously you have to have a bond on the on the the rigid line somewhere and if you add corrugated stainless steel and it goes to from the rigid line to a furnace for example that is hardwired you don't need to add an additional bond but um if you you do if you uh, attach it to an appliance that has a plug that can be plugged in or out because now we're breaking continuity um because if somebody unplugs it that's the way i understand it with yellow um, corrugated stainless steel. Right. But with the black stuff, I mean, the, your flash shield, that requires no additional bond whatsoever, right? Is Can you explain that product a little bit, please? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. So in, in the U.S., um, you know, they are um, a more litigious society uh, than we are here. And there's all kinds of lawsuits about lightning strikes and houses blowing up and burning and uh, with CSST. And a great deal of that, of course, had to do with um, install uh, errors, etc. So there is a ton of, going back to the beginning of this question, there is a ton of confusion. It is so frustrating. It's been going on my entire career about bonding if you're using CSST. To compound that, there are different bond requirements depending on the manufacturer pipe that you're using. So I'm only going to address gas light specifically on this. From gas light's perspective, if you have a bond on your pipe, black iron component, there's two places you're allowed to place a bond. On, we're going to talk yellow CSSD first. You're allowed to place a, a bond clamp around the nut on the fitting, but that mm -hmm. requires a very specific Arico bronze bond clamp. They're very expensive. It's kind of um, counterproductive financially to do that. Or you can place a bond clamp on a black iron component that your gas tight is attached to. Mm -hmm. The concept being you want, no matter what you're bonding, um, in the way of pipe, gas piping, you want the shortest practical bond wire that you can get away with that goes directly to the single ground point in the building. It's a path to, to you know, that's why they used to use copper water, right? You, you go into the boiler or the hot water heater and you see black iron and copper, black iron come feeding the gas, copper coming down, and there'd be this tiny little short. Uh, I, still, I, I still see it. Yeah. And that, that was an incredibly effective bond because you, 
the whole house is grounded to the copper water pipe. It's coming in underground. It's full of water. It's copper. It's perfect. The challenge nowadays, of course, with modern construction and even old construction like you've seen there, let's say it's a house where you've already seen that right at the boiler. You see that right at the hot water heater, but they got a new fridge. There's a very strong likelihood that the plumber went in there and teed off of that copper run to, to feed the ice maker in the new fridge with pets. Yeah. You've now compromised the half the ground. So it's not the bond that you think it is. I mean, w- when they first started coming up with this and the, the hot water heaters had 14 inch copper nipples on them and then packs running from there, I see guys bonding to the copper nipples. That, that's a complete misunderstanding of what, what you're trying to accomplish here. So with yellow CSST in the Ontario market, it's the most frustrating thing that any guy's going to run into with regard to bonding because there are a number of different governing bodies your Embridges, your your uh, Lakesides, your TSSA, uh, and then never mind the municipal ones like Kingston or Kitchener Utilities. Uh, and then when you get into propane, it gets really crazy because they're all individually um, run, franchised, right? There's a ton of confusion. So from gas state's perspective, you need a single bond point on to a black iron component or to the nut on the fitting of yellow CSST. The enforcements that are are being, or the the tagging that's going on in the market and the enforcements that are going on are very frustrating for a contractor because there's uh, a set of drawings that came out uh, through ESA that show almost jumper cable, you know, copper wires from black iron doing the entire CSST run to an appliance, all kinds of things like that. I I seen that. Okay. So this is, I seen that, I seen that document and the, the drawings are confusing because it shows a manifold with uh, corrugated stainless steel coming off of the manifold, and yeah. then it shows it being bonded from the manifold to to each appliance. And then there's a, a drawing underneath that that doesn't show that at all. And I'm like, this is the the most confusing set of instructions I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. So I, that's what I was saying to you before that the way I understand it now is that. If the, the appliance is hardwired in, you don't need the additional bond. Um, you need you need the 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 one bond on the line, as you were saying, somewhere on the rigid or 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 on the the, the cup the the brass piece with the um, yeah yeah with the with the clamp. And you only need an additional bond after the corrugated stainless steel. So one before and one after, if the appliance uh, appliance can be unplugged. That's the way I'm understanding it right now. And uh, okay, that that's that's fine. Um, but the the flash shield the black stuff does this does that erase any confusion whatsoever or should it yeah and that's so in again going back to the US um, which you know is a driving factor we haven't sold yellow pipe for it's for sure six years maybe even sab- seven it's like anywhere old. in the US anywhere yeah yeah oh, state okay. specifically yeah yeah um, they've gone to flash shield plus only so we started out with flash shield and then we went to flash shield plus which is our third generation pipe. So when guys call me with these um, bonding questions, I go through what I understand. I go through what gas state says, but that often doesn't help them with regard to what any given inspector on a site cares or says. So I always suggest to them, look, uh, just buy Flash Shield Plus and that it goes away. The, the two most taggable fences, doesn't matter whether you're using my CST, anybody else's, or what color it is that you're, you're buying, 
the two most taggable offenses you're going to run up against when using CSST in this market are going to be bonding, because there's so much confusion about it. And bond wire is very expensive, so are the, the fittings. And the second or first, depending on where you are, who you're dealing with, will be incidental contact with other metallic building systems. So you're just trying to get your run over the cold air return down into a drip lake. Uh, the electrician comes through and leaves his electrical wire up against it, or you're pinned up against the ductwork, or there's copper coming in for air conditioning and you're touching up against it. That is where all these sort of litigious issues came out of the States was that kind of thing. Um, it was all about equipment in an attic, very poorly installed with stuff laying all over the top of each other. And you've got a vented uh, furnace with a steel liner, steel cap sticking out of a roof, CSST going to it, electrical wiring laying on it, and copper from the air conditioner laying on it. And you basically got a lightning rod to, to <laughs> blow holes through pipe. So that's where that all came from originally. If you go with Flash Shield Plus, Flash Shield Plus stands alone in the market from everybody else in the market because it's a four-layered four layered system. So to give you a little history on that, the originators of, of the um, uh, black-jacketed CSST was, again, a competitor of ours called Trackpipe. Those guys actually came out of Gastate. They were originally Gastate guys. Kudos to them. What they did because of this lightning concern was they put a semiconductive carbon jacket over their normal CSST. Mm-hmm. Far superior for a lightning strike as it will dissipate the charges a lot, uh, as opposed to allowing it, because it's only semiconductive, uh, allowing it to jump through the jacket and, and right to the stainless. Okay. And that's called Counter-Strike. It's in the market and, and it has been around for quite a while. And then Gastite, they designed a product called Flash Shield, which was a multi-layered product. Um, and they used the semiconductive jacket and then they used a wire mesh and then a, a third layer over to, to cover it and mark it. And you had to have a special tool to make sure that the fitting contacted with the wire mesh. Our third generation pipe, which is the only thing that we're, will eventually be selling in this market is Flash Shield Plus. It's a four-layer jacket, and there's no answer to it from anybody else. And the reason for that is it covers both things. So the first layer, well, the, the pipe is just a pipe. It's the same as you buy in the yellow. The CST itself is the mm-hmm. same as our yellow. Okay. The next layer over that is a semiconductive composite jacket to protect it from lightning, which is the same as every other black jacketed CSST you'll see anywhere in the world. They're all a single-layered composite jacket. Then our next layer over that is a full aluminum tube or sheet, thin-walled uh, tube. And then the fourth layer on top of that is a insulated jacket with UV inhibitors and, and smoke and flame rating on it. Those four layers are all laminated together, and they're only the same thickness as our yellow jacket, basically. So the assembly is exactly the same as what you do with our yellow, but we changed the bushing halves on our fitting and put an extra little lip in there so that when you put your nut on, you push your bushing fit, uh, halves on the fitting, the lip sits right on top of the aluminum um, tube that's in there. Mm-hmm. And now you have absolute continuity. So it does two things. There's no requir- uh, bond requirement uh, if you're using Flash Shield Plus. And a- almost more importantly in this market, um, because our outer layer jacket is insulative, we are also not concerned with, um, co- um, uh, what do they call it, uh, incidental contact with other metallic building systems. 
so ductwork, electrical conduit, copper, etc. If you're using anybody's, mine included, yellow CSST, you must stay away from those things. You must have a separation. If you're using anybody else's black product, no matter who made it, because it is only semiconductive, it is in fact more dangerous than yellow jacketed products. What happens is it's, it's conductive enough to keep a current going, but not conductive enough to blow a breaker. In the case of the final <clears throat> outer jacket of Flashio Plus, it's insulative. So we, what we're doing now is we're, we're actually uh, sending a PDF to the guys who are making their, um, their gas t- uh, tags. You know, a lot of guys have their own logo on it. And we print those bullet points on the back side. S102 smoke and flames thread rating, CSA documented reusable fittings, no bond required, incidental contact with other metallic building systems uh, is fine. And so that those bullet points are there because an inspector, wherever they're from, has the responsibility to read any information that you've left about a product that they're not familiar with um, before they start tagging you. So that's why we're kind of going that way. So the bottom line here is um, a long-winded answer, I know, but we are transitioning that way because it's by far the safest product made anywhere in the world. Uh, And it takes away the two hassles for the guy who's installing it. The two biggest hassles about CSST are bonding and, and, and tagging about it and then incidental contact if both of those go away. So it's, yeah. it's, that's a real um, way that we're going. Mm-hmm. So I just want to clarify something. Sure. It, you, you said no bonding required. So zero bonding whatsoever required on, uh, on, the, on the gas line at all that, it, that it's attached to even? Uh, yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, you always have to be careful about my language. So the bond is achieved if you're if your piece of equipment. So if you have one electrically serviced piece of equipment in your system, then the bond is is established at that uh, piece of equipment. So your pipe is bonded through the electrical system by the fact that your appliance is um, part of the electrical system. Okay, so let me let me break down a couple of. Sure. An, an example uh, that kind of um, that are 180 from each other. So, if you have a, a gas pipe system coming into a home, and we're piping from the meter to a furnace that's hardwired, in that case, we don't need a bond because the furnace is hardwired to the electrical system. Is is that what you're saying? Yeah, correct. Just like that's okay. also the case now for black iron or copper. Okay, so you would need a bond then let's say you just you feed into uh from the from the gas meter to like three or four fireplaces that generate their own millivolt signal right and they plug into the wall for the fan but let's say they're unplugged in this case we don't have any connections if they're all unplugged we have no connections to the to to the ground whatsoever back at the panel so we we would have to bond it in this case yeah you wouldn't be bonding and that's another point, too, that I didn't make very clear. I don't care who CSST it is, what color it is. You never, ever would bond to the CSST. To the Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Only the spinning or yeah. I just wanted mm-hmm. to make that point. So the answer to your question is, yeah, you're, you're on the right track there. There would be no electrical bond in that system if the appliances were unplugged. There'd be none. Therefore, yeah, you would want to have a bond from a black iron component or not on the fitting 
to the shortest practical possible route to your single ground point in the building. Okay. So the, the, the ground bus on the, on the panel, if it was available or the copper, if that's how it Perfect. Okay. That, that kind of makes sense to me. So that's my man, Chris, very knowledgeable on corrugated stainless steel and his product that he trains on gas tight. It's very interesting how the flash shield plus is the only insulated, it's got the only insulated barrier when it comes to, uh, the, the, the black stuff the, the, the black corrugated stainless steel, and it can butt up against other metals and have incidental contact because of that. So, I mean, I myself have some yellow gas tights still on the van. I've, I've got it, but I'm once it's, once it's done, I'm switching over to the flash shield plus hundred percent just because of the benefits that it has. So anyway, guys, that's it. I'm out. Happy HVACing. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.